All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Boom Cast. And we have a episode with you that's rather mad this evening, if you will. Maybe I don't lose my voiceover by talking too much. Um, we have the great, the wonderful Deborah Wilson with us. Um, you know, the great Alexander the Hawk got her, got her, brought her into the show. I know they're close friends, so you brought her over in. It's a very nice deal. Um, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things in this episode. Some of the great work that we love her for, but we're going to go deeper. This is another one of those Boombasticast episodes where we journey deeper in. And, you know, we love journeying deeper in because you get a little something extra that you don't really get on other shows, I feel. You could probably punch up, you know, on the old YouTubes, 500 maybe interviews, maybe a little less. I don't know. But you might catch yourself... You know, numerous times hearing about Mad TV, fantastic. Numerous times talking about the video game stuff, you know, the animated movies. Um, but you're going to tap into something really special today, I think, where we're going to go for a full journey. You're going to hear about all those beautiful things we just mentioned. You're also going to hear about some paranormal stuff, some spiritual stuff, you know, very deep, very wise. Deborah's very... uh enlightened she's very great she's just great uh i take her for being a really great person and uh somebody that you know i really appreciate where her head's at for sure her head and her heart like i said it's a it's a beautiful thing you know it it seems like a ball of positivity you know what i mean what do you think alex hey i totally agree i mean um i reached out to her and we were talking and you know uh she uh one of the things he pointed out was he wanted to talk about not just you know her career he wanted to talk about you know different subjects her feelings and yeah. different things which i mean i got really excited about because as we've said on the show many times it's all about the journey we want to we want to talk to these people have a conversation see where it goes i mean however people feel how they see the world that's what we want to give our viewers is an insight into these people that you've seen on tv or listened to the music or you know read a comic book that they created or therefore uh anything else that they have done creatively that that has touched you and i'm i'm totally up to seeing where this goes and i don't know i mean there's a lot of different uh, things that uh, we've uh, we've jotted down in the notes. We're going to see if we can uh, hit them, but we might uh, we might go in a whole different direction that we don't even know of where we're going to go, and that's part of the fun, you know the the jumping down the rabbit hole and see where 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 this goes. And I'm totally psyched because I mean I've loved everything I've seen Deborah in and. Uh, our conversation shows me she's a wonderful person, very kind-hearted, and and I want to know more about her. I mean, that's that's what we do. What we do is we want to, you know, know more about these people. What makes them tick? What their their hopes, their dreams? What what they like to, you know, do? What what interests them? And that's like, more interesting than anything else. We like to showcase the great talent for the great people that they are. You know, we're here to, we're here to learn about, yeah, the craft, you know, their careers, but we're also here more importantly to hear about the people, get to know the people that we've appreciated and loved throughout the years that, 
you know, it's it's, it's fun to sit down and, and, and hear some stories and conversate back and forth with them because we have so much respect for them and just uh, just fans of what they've done and appreciate the entertainment that they've put in our lives. And that's really kind of, I think, the vibe of the show. And yeah, you know what I mean? When you say something respectable like that, all you can really do is go, back like a dog. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Boombasticast for the first time ever of multiple times. The great, the wonderful, the inspirational Deborah Wilson. Welcome to the Boombasticast. Junkyard dog style. That's right. Let's just do the whole interview that way. I don't know. Deborah Wilson, welcome to the Boom. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah. I'm grateful to be here. Grateful to beautiful thing. I love that. Gratitude's always a wonderful thing. You know, more people should have it. I like when I see people being positive right off the get go bat like that. That's nice. Yeah. yeah, constant attitude of gratitude. Too blessed to be stressed, too grateful to be hateful, and too anointed to be disappointed. Come with it. I like that. Awesome. Well, one of the things that um, uh, we uh, want to talk about is, I mean, you started um, in the, uh, before Mad TV, you did, uh, what was it, Uptown? Um, Uptown Comedy Club. Yeah, Uptown Comedy Club. You did 11 episodes with that. Um, how did you get into that? I mean, how, how was the beginning of the transition, you know, from, you know, just uh, did you start doing uh, comedy beforehand and then you start doing the Uptown Comedy Club? How, how did that happen? Um, I basically, uh, what was it? I'd been doing uh, before that sketch and improv with a group live. Mm. Um, and then a number of uh, sketch and improv groups. And then that was an audition for Uptown Comedy Club and uh, on a pilot that I did for the Apollo Theater called the Apollo Comedy Hour, and I did the pilot for that. And then it just, again, continued to happen that way. Yeah, so, I mean, Mad TV, by the time I got to L.A., Mad TV was actually my third series because I had two in New York already. So I have a question. Um, what prompted you move from New York to L.A.? I mean, there was no prompt. It was Mad TV. I booked Mad TV and I had to move out here. Oh, okay. that's, all it, that's all it was. I auditioned for Mad TV in New York because um, I was living in New York. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the executive producers were going from city to city to pe- see people on stage, to see people, you know, whose reels they saw. So they were like, OK. We're going to New York. We're going to Chicago. We're going to Boston. You know, they went to all the major cities. Yeah. And so they came to uh, to New York. And it was both I and Artie Lang that they, they found in New York. Hell yeah. Nice. So um, so you and Artie uh, started at the same time. Um, yeah, our audition was at the same time in New York. You guys oh, together. Cool. The first, there were four processes. The first process, I, we, I went in individually. And then they, they, then a week later, they said, or a couple of days later, they said, you know what? We want to have you come back. So I was like, okay, I made it to step two. Second step, I got a chance to meet Artie Lang. 
Oh, yeah. And um uh and then we yeah I met Artie Lang and we I think we we talked and we we met then and bonded then and the third step was uh doing um sketch doing like a sketch thing and I think they put me and Artie together to do a sketch in New York and the last one the final callback is um was for the Fox executives and the producers Quincy uh Quincy Jones and uh, David Salzman. Yeah. And you and back in New York, you were doing like in, some indie films and stuff like that, right? Before you made the jump? Yeah, but not just indie films. I did a major feature film um, that that I was... The role was written for a young white man. And uh, the casting director was only looking for that particular in the spec. But my manager at the time... Uh, Joan Rosenberg, who has passed away, God bless her, said, um, yeah, but you need to see my client. You really do. She's black and she's young, but you really need to see her because she's really funny. And this role, you're asking for people who do comedy, and she does. And they're like, mm, okay. So the casting director uh, said, okay, called me in. Um, I improv and played and made her laugh. Uh, they sent that to the director. The director was like, Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. We were changing the specs on that. Um, and so I did that film that was called, um, it only happens with you, AKA let it be me. It was under two titles. Uh, and then I've done indie film in New York with Matt Mittler, um, called, uh, cracking up yeah. and a couple of other indie things. Uh, and then I was the spokesperson for Burger King. And then I was the spokesperson for Amana refrigerators and appliances. And then I did a series with Joan Rivers as her sidekick and announcer and audience warm-up. Um, all, all of that happened before Mad TV. And then, of course, Uptown Comedy Club. Yeah. Yeah, you cool. did a film. It did a film called Blue in the Face, I believe, way back when. Right. Blue in the Face was in New York, mm -hmm. an indie Jim. feature by Wayne Wang. Yeah, that had a, a Jim Jarmusch plays a part in it, but has a very Jim Jarmusch-like vibe to it. Yeah. And uh, I think that, like, you know, when you got the the call on Mad TV, did you have kind of reservations about it because, you know, it was you were signing into a big contract-type deal? Uh, no, that wasn't a big, that wasn't a big deal because I'd already get, again, I had already done two television series. Yeah. For me, more than anything else, it was, do I really want to leave everything behind? And there was just a lot of emotional unresolved stuff with me yeah. going on in my life at the time. A lot of unresolved issues and things going on and, and whether or not I really deserve to be there. Um, but I was hired. And so they said, you are the first one we, we want. I was very grateful for that. And it was like, all right, well, this is happening because I did the pilot. And after the pilot, I was like, I'm ready to go back to my life in New York because everything I did was in New York. The work was in New York. And I kind of steamrolled in New York um, and still kept a city job. And so uh, when it happened, my the first word out of my in my mind was fuck. Because that meant a life change. Yeah. And that means I had to start discovering the make and measure of who I truly was. And if I belonged in L.A., um, and if I, me I meant to stay in L.A., if I meant to be in this business, I mean, it was this huge life quest um, to grow myself and better know myself um, and not about really the show. So for me, it wasn't about 
oh, wow, I got the show. It was, this is a life change for me. I have unresolved issues in New York. Do I move through this? Can I get through this? Am I meant to be here um, to handle the life experience? So I never really thought about Mad TV the same way as a lot of other people thought about it as in, wow, I got a big TV show now on major network. That yeah. wasn't my thought process. My thought process was, fuck. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a, a life-changing experience in Los Angeles. So my thoughts were more with Los Angeles than the show. Um, was I grateful to get it? Absolutely. But I knew it would be an uphill battle on an emotional and psychological level for me to, to find my space there. And I did. But it took me four seasons to do it. Yeah. It's very common to have those doubts. You know, like Alex said, we do indie film and... We stayed in Massachusetts. We have friends that have gone out to California and stuff in New York and done the deal. But, uh, yeah, taking that leaps like, uh, it's a big one. It's a big one for sure. Yeah. And I didn't have any doubts about the show, really. Yeah. And, again, it was about my doubts in my, within me. Yeah. You know, can I handle this space that I'm in now? Because I have no lifeline. I have no connection and lifeline. I'm the only one here in Los Angeles. That kind of a thing. Um and it was uh, it was um, powerful and cathartic and painful and traumatic, and it turned into this beautiful space of power. Yeah, well, that life it turned into a beautiful space of power by the fourth season. And I went, I'm home, I'm home. This is where I this is where I belong. And I'm not talking about the industry. I'm talking about California itself. This is where I belong. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. That lifeline thing so important because, like, you, you you go out there, it's the big show, so to speak. There's so much pressure, and, you know, you hear a lot about in the business where there's so many ups and downs that it's kind of like they say, you know, I, I heard Corey Feldman once t say something about, like, how, with Haim, with Corey Haim, about how, like, the business kind of ate him up because he didn't really have – the Feldman came from a family that was in film, so, like, they would be like, okay, you're going to have these ups and downs, but don't worry – you know, you're down, really down right now, but you will get up again. You know what I mean? And, like, it's very important to have that. And not having that in that city, I could only imagine that. You know what I mean? But if you look at the larger picture, that's the way it is in, in us and individuals. Our oh. turmoil, our space, our angst, as opposed to, hey, it's about the industry. Because if you let go of the industry and you look at anybody and anybody else's life, everyone has experiences that they have to go through because life is designed to grow you and better know you. To look at the larger aspects of why you're here on the planet and how it's here to serve the universe as opposed to just yourself. Because the ego can play tricks on you. It can be your best friend or it can fuck you to death. Yeah. And so it's a matter of your perspective in life regardless of all the three-dimensional aspects. It's regardless of that. So it's not just the industry. It's having a lifeline to yourself, having a lifeline to your belief system. Because you can have a lifeline to other people, but if their belief system is all over the place or they don't have one, it doesn't matter if either one of you don't have a foundation. You feel me? Yeah. So the foundation is your relationship with the world, your relationship with a belief system greater than yourself, and then you can tether your experience as a mirror image reflection to people who have a sense of grounding as well. And right. And, and unfortunately I believe the possibility that for Corey Haim, there was no sense of grounding that it was all about what's happening in the industry and then trying to release yourself from it. And in the process of releasing yourself, going back to the three dimensional world with the drugs. Yeah. Sedation. Yeah. And that's because the spiritual foundation wasn't fully there. 
or he didn't really glom onto it. So his soul was in turmoil. And every soul comes to this planet and, and will have a, a space of turmoil. But that is the proving ground and the make and measure of who you are. So turmoil is par for the course in the human condition and in the human world. Because the growth that comes from it is away from the three-dimensional world so that whatever you succeed in in life, you are in the world but not of the world. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. How about, have, you, have you always been spiritual? Did it come in? No one's always been journey? spiritual. Yeah, no I'm, one ever comes into this world and goes, yeah. guess what? I'm spiritual. I am <laughs> spiritual. Look at me. I am. Wow. I am spiritual. No one. Everything again, it's par for the course of your growth. Yeah. Like a seed. You can have a seed in the ground. Everything is a friction. Everything is a pushing. Everything is a moving forward in reality. Whether a human being or whether you're a seed, there is nothing in sentient life that is not an assimilation of that. So you have a seed. You put it in the ground. Now, that seed has to crack open. There is a friction there, a breaking open, a, a, a revolution of I, I'm being torn apart. Then that, that plant has to push through the soil. It's got to push through the soil and make its way through. Now, it's got to push through the soil and then find sunlight and find the water. But it still succeeds. And that's who we are. We push through and get through and go through and we emerge. If we choose, we emerge. Because when life hands you shit, God is always reminding you that you are minerals. And when you put shit with minerals, you get fertilizer and therefore you can grow anything. That's right. True, true. I mean, especially uh, when 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 you're dealing with life. I mean, life throws you a lot of different um, obstacles and all that. And the only way to truly deal with the things that are thrown at you is to have a grounding kind of uh, a grounding of sense. So, I mean, that's that's a good way of you know kind of grounding yourself and and looking at the world and dealing with it because I mean. You get shit thrown at you no matter what, and you just have to learn how to use it to help make you grow. God is the great recycler. Nothing is ever wasted. Nothing. There is no lesson that is ever wasted unless you choose to ignore and then live in the what I call the five dimensions. Eat, sleep, shit, fuck, consume, and destroy. Alex. <laughs> That's Alex's life. Oh, not quite, not quite. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the fact is, I mean, just using uh, the entertainment industry as, as an example, with all the things that go on and the constant battling of trying to be, you I wouldn't know, say that it's constant. I wouldn't say that it's constant. I think that's an idea and a concept that you have. But if you're asking me individually, it's not a constant battle. Okay. I've never really had a constant battle. You know, I, there are hurdles and things that you look at that seem to be challenges and things that you just ignore. But I wouldn't say that it's constant because you're making it seem like it's a constant bombardment. But I'm like, not necessarily. You know, no more than other people in their jobs or other people in their careers or other people in their business or other people in their lives, depending upon what's going on in their life. So I think it's an, a case-by-case -case basis on an individual level. And it also depends on the perspective of different people. Some people go like, that's a shit ton of hurdles. The person who's gone through it was like, nah, it's just another day for me. Yeah. 
True, true. It's, you know, like a happiness thing. When I talk to people that are feeling down, I always go, you know, like, I almost don't feel like people, like happiness, it's almost, you know, you're not supposed to be happy 24-7, seven days a week. It's like a yin and a yang, give and a take of life type deal. Thinking that everything is going to be, you know, beautiful flowers every day. It's good to have that perspective of, like, the opportunity of that. But, like, expecting it is dangerous. What do you think? I don't think it's dangerous. I just think it's par for the course of your learning. Again, going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, feed. Oh, my God, I'm cracking open. I'm breaking open. Yeah. And then the plant, oh, my God, I've got to push through the soil. I've got to push to get the sunlight. I've got to make sure I have enough rain. I hope I don't get eaten by an animal. I mean, you know, even though it's obviously sentient life and doesn't, it doesn't think that way and doesn't have a brain, it's just a commonality. I mean, in nature is giving us all of these lessons and showing us all the time. Now on the opposite end of the spectrum, which is actually no such thing as opposites. They don't, they don't exist. It's, it's a concept, but let's go with the concept of opposites. I can walk down the sidewalk and I can see where man, humankind has created concrete slabs called sidewalks and curbs and streets. And I can see where nature has taken over and broken it. Nature has taken over and washed things away, cracked it open because of the sun and the heat. And before you know it, without there being a seed being dropped, without fertilizer being put in, without soil being put in, a plant pops up. So that means in the places where human beings have gone, now we have, we, what we made is, is, is here. What we made is permanent. Nature comes in and goes, no, there is a beauty within this space and it will not be without its, without being seen. But that's each and every one of us. So no matter what we do to ourselves or each other, there is a space of beauty within us that will be reckoned with, that will come to the surface. And sometimes it has to have the nature of us broken. In other words, nature of us broken, old habits, hate, racism, fear, destruction. Un- the, wi- the unwillingness to forgive. Yeah. So when those things are broken, the beauty of what we really are emerges. So for everyone who's got a hard heart or a heavy heart or a rock solid heart, it will be broken. Nature will break you. The nature of love, the nature of kindness, the nature of forgiveness will break you open. Not to scold you, but to emerge you so that you can be loved the way you deserve to be loved. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's really deep. I mean, I never thought of things like that, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that. I mean, dealing with things, um, I mean, every, everyone has, you know, turmoil in their life, some big, some small, but one has to learn how to cope with it and make themselves a better person because of it. Transmute it. Transmute it. Because you know what? Every single one of us, whether you're religious or not, and I'm not religious, every single one of us is due for a crucifixion. And the only purpose of a crucifixion is a resurrection. There'd be no purpose of a crucifixion without it. So you have to know and trust and believe and have faith that everything is designed for a crucifixion because what you grow in that resurrection will change you forever, will grow you forever, will make you powerful 
more than ever, because now your eyes are open on a different level than the three-dimensional world or what I call, again, the six-dimensional world. Eat, sleep, shit, fuck, consume, and destroy. So you'll recognize it and be in the world, but not of the world of doing it when it comes to your mental health, your emotional health, your joy, your well-being, your peace, your prosperity, your abundance your charity, your compassion, your connection. So it's all par for the course. Each and every one of us have a reality to turn into a greater reality that goes beyond the three dimensions, where money means nothing to you in terms of your health or, 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 or doing something for someone. You volunteer and you'll say, all of this time that I spent it was amazing and brought me to tears to help people who really needed it and see their joy and feel their experience and hear their stories. I am forever changed in that regard. And so people always have these cathartic moments. Imagine a parent who says, I've got all the money in the world, but I can't cure my child from this four stage cancer. So my money means nothing to me. You have these cathartic moments. If there weren't cathartic moments, there wouldn't be AIDS organizations, LGBT community organizations, Black Lives Matter movements. There wouldn't be Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. There wouldn't be, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. There wouldn't be the Shriners organization. You feel me? There wouldn't be St. Jude's. So all of these turmoils were turned into something cathartic and powerful. So that each time you get a chance to witness and bear witness to the healing of others, to the fundraising for others, there is a healing that takes place in you. And that you can't put money on. You can't put a price on that. And so there are things in life that you can't put a price on. Otherwise, there'd be no phrase called can't put a price on that. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, and I think uh, especially when when you talk about these organizations, that when you're dealing with any kind of hardship, I mean, whether it's it's cancer, AIDS, whatever, when you have a group of people that are like minded, and they go together and form a a group, a committee to fight against it, I think that is the most uplifting thing there is, because. I think the only way to deal with some of the hardships of, you know, reality is going against it with other people. And together we are stronger than apart. Absolutely. And that's why these organizations also, I mean, if you think about it, there are hotlines. Yeah. There are plenty of hotlines. If you're thinking about harming yourself, there is a suicide prevention hotline. There are hotlines all over the place for your mental health. And so people are recognizing their pain and there are organizations that will go, we, we recognize that and we want to do something about it. We want to let you know that you're not alone, that yeah. you're not alone. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the most important thing, especially, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that they feel like they're alone because either their uh, family, their, their uh, unit is supposed to be with them, but they, you know, have abandoned them or they, they can't go to their family for some reason but it's good to know that there's other people that are going through the same thing that they are and because of that that they are able to work together and then confront this issue uh head on yeah, well, it's yeah. kindness it's like you get broken down so much just 
just somebody telling you they care whether they're a stranger or not, you know what I mean, is, a, is an uplifting thing for somebody in a dark place like that. You don't take much to care. You don't need money to care. You don't need money to care. You know, money's horrifying, you know. Right. The burden Sometimes of money. All, all you need is a kind word from a stranger or from anybody who's saying, hey, I'm going through the exact same thing you are. It might look like there's no hope in the future, but I'm here to tell you there is hope. We are here to, you know, work with you to get through it and to combat whatever this issue is. Keep smiling. That's the thing, you know what I mean? It's not hard to do it. Your smile, a smile is very contagious, you know. Uh, in, in, in the world that we live in, you know, a lot of things are put on looks, you know, how people look and stuff like that. And I always say the most attractive thing is smiling because if people, st- everybody wants to be happy. And if they can, if they see you smiling, that's what they want, you know, and they want to be happy too, you know, it's the same vibe. So smile more, Alex. <laughs> I try. I try. It's hard. It's hard sometimes, but I try to smile more every day. Sometimes it's tough, but I try. What's your take on when when we pass away? You know, it's it's you know, live a pure good life. But when we there's when no such thing as a pure good life that doesn't exist. No, because there's no such thing as as pure, pure. and yeah. there's no such thing as good. It's a concept and an idea. And I get why humans created it. I get the the, the way of the world. I get you know, a society and a culture of people that are that are in an evolutionary process to create words that make them feel good and find a camaraderie and have an overstanding of an experience time and time again and have an equation that says this means good, this means bad, this means pure. I get that. But it's just a life. It's life. And you're here to have that experience and make choices in it. So I don't believe that a life is pure. I don't believe that a life is good. I don't believe that a life is bad. I think that it is simply life and you make choices in it. Now, are there negative aspects to it? Are there positive aspects to it? Are there light aspects to it? Are there dark aspects to it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a journey for sure. It is absolutely a journey and I don't believe this is it. So like uh yeah, it's interesting. Death is always that, or transcending, rather, better word for it, I guess, is always interesting, deal you know, with the spiritual thing, because it's like, you can almost have, like, uh, almost go to that other place before you even die, like, if you're tuned in appropriately, you know what I mean? Maybe. Tell me what you mean. So, like, if you're at peace with everything, like, we're talking about the money and stuff, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. like, the burdens of money. It's like, one of the things I feel like when people pass away, it's like all that responsibility. It's like, you think about today, you're like, well, what do I got? I got to go get groceries today. You know, I got to make sure this bill's paid. I got to make sure that bill's paid. And it's like, it's like such a, you know, like, when, when, when hum- humans first came about it wasn't like a pay bill situation you know, that's kind of more of a modern thing if you will and uh but like i think that the burdens of that like the responsibilities uh such like that kind of go away um and if you can kind of get out of it before a transcending thing where you can understand you know that my, like you said money's just a thing that might help the day go along but it's, there's really no importance to it other than the paper that it's printed on you know what i mean when it comes to real yeah, absolutely real issues you know like you're talking about with the cancer thing it's like you could have every every dollar every dollar bill in the world could be in your bank account but a situation with the sick kid it's like 
you can't buy life. You can't buy time. You know what I mean? It's just, but if you realize that ahead of time, I think you can get to a better place with it all. Absolutely. Because again, the foundation would be a spirituality, a, 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 a higher consciousness, raising your conscious vibration. Absolutely. And, and, and when you raise your conscious vibration, you raise your perspective between the world, between the physical world and the spiritual world. Yeah. It's, uh, I I know that you're into the paranormal, which we are too. I'm going to the parent, I'm going to Paracon. I'll be in San Antonio, Texas at Paracon, um, on the 26th and the 27th of January, Friday and Saturday, 26th and 27th. Of, uh, yeah, of January, Paracon in San Antonio, Texas. But I also have friends that are paranormal investigators that had a series. Um, and so I, I was fans of theirs. And then, um, I became, someone introduced me and I became friends of theirs. And now we're like family. And so, uh, I'm going to support them and I'm going to be with them and I'm hang out with them. And on my 60th birthday, they, um, I told them I was going to, and they are, Brad and Barry Klang of Ghost Lab fame. Ghost Lab used to be on um, Discovery Network. Um, And it was an amazing show. Uh, And so they still do podcasts uh, and they are still active in the paranormal world because they get hired individually as well. And so uh, on my 60th, I said, the one thing I want to do for my 60th birthday is I'm going to go Gettysburg. I'm going to explore Gettysburg because I know it's a very haunted location and they have done a number of explorations um, and investigations at Gettysburg as well as around the entire country. Uh, But they have a very huge love of Gettysburg and a fascination because they've had family members that they have traced back um, who were a part of the Civil War on the side of the South, on the side of the Confederacy, because they're from Texas. And um, they said, you're not going without us. (laughs) <laughs> we'll meet you there and we're going to take you here and we're going to do this. And they knew so many people in the town and they knew so many people because of all the investigations that they were letting us in at two or three o'clock in the morning, just opening them up for Barry and Brad playing. And I was like, wow, I mean, they have coal in, in Gettysburg itself. Cause it's a very small town. Yeah. You know, so when people think of Gettysburg, they think it must be the largest skirmish that happened. Um, and it was one of many, and it wasn't the end of the Civil War when it happened. So, and all of those battles took place on farmers' fields, you know. But um, they took me, and it was wonderful. And uh, I did an investigation with them in Texas years and years prior to that. And now I'm back with Paracon. And when I did a voiceover convention, and I was a keynote speaker in um, Atlanta, no, in Dallas, they drove from San Antonio all the way to Dallas. Um, and it was amazing to be able to see them. So yeah, we're, we've, we've gone from, I've gone from major fan to, uh, a friend and friend to family member. So it's just really amazing. So big shout out to Brad and Barry Kling of Ghost Lab Fames. Hell yeah. Much love. You know, yeah, the par- man. The par, the paranormal is definitely one of those things uh, that, I love it. And it's so fun that certain people would just be so against it and certain people be so for it. Um, did you ever stumble into like an apparition or a ghost or anything like that? In your- yeah, but not in Gettysburg. They did. At one point they were listening back to uh, some of the stuff that we recorded. Yeah. Um, um, 
And then they were like, you know, we're going to go. And it was a, a little store that was like a, it was almost like a 7-Eleven to a certain extent. Stayed open all the time. And they were like, it was 2 o'clock in the morning. Everybody was getting tired. And they said, listen, we're going to go to this little store. You want to come? And I was like, nah, I'm going to rest because I knew we were, we were leaving the next day. Damn it. <laughs> I should have gone. Because as they were coming back from the store, they stopped at a light. There was one young man on one corner and another person on the other corner. The young man had a phone, headphones, earbuds, whatever. He was on his phone. And Gettysburg is such a small town that obviously nobody was out there. You know, because all the tourists were gone. Everybody who lives there is in bed asleep. So nobody was out there. And so the other guy on the side of the street was waiting for the light to turn so that he can cross. And he had on this big hat, big beard, and a long duster. Like you would wear if you were a cowboy. Yeah. And when the light changed and they started walking, the kid with the phone or the young man with the phone didn't look up. And Barry and Brad were watching the, the, the scene take place and go like, dude, look up. You Don't you see this guy coming at you? And the kid never looked up or the young man never looked up. And just they just crossed like this. But the kid never looked up at all. Yeah. That's unusual. Human nature says, oh, I feel somebody coming at me. Let me look up. Oh, let me make sure I'm not in anybody's way. You have a peripheral vision. Even though it's late night, you're aware, oh, shit, there's only one other person there. Kid never looked up. So as Brad and Barry were watching the guy cross the street like, oh, shit, this guy was moving fast, too. I'm surprised he didn't knock him over. They watched him. By the time he hit the sidewalk, he vanished. He disappeared. He dissipated. Jesus. And they came back and told me, I was like, damn it. Yeah. I th- With paranormal, I think it's like if you're looking for it, if you're like going to a hot spot and you're looking for it, they don't want to show themselves. It's when like you least expect it type deal. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's in my experience. That's yeah. been in my experience. I've had, I've had plenty of empathic experiences, but never full blown. And I, part of me wants to go like, do you think you could handle a full blown apparition, Deborah? And I'm like, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, and the other course. part of me is like, Deborah, can you handle a full-blown apparition? Fuck no. <laughs> you know, but I think I can because I don't scare easily. Yeah. And I, my biggest fear more than, more than apparitions, my biggest fear is running. Yeah. That's that. I have an abject terror of running away. That's I, my biggest fear I, is I, running away in I situations could. like that. And so I never run. Because yeah. running would take me to a place of hysterics, like it's chasing me, it's going to get me, it's going to kill me, and all of that, and then hyperventilating, and then tripping over something and killing myself, yeah. tripping over myself in my head. I'm the only one whose head hits a giant rock. <laughs> you know, it's all of that kind of stuff. So my mind plays tricks on me in the idea of running away from something, and so I don't run. I am not a runner. If you're going to come at me, come at me, bro. You better come at me because I'd rather face you head on than to run, yeah. not knowing what else you can do. I don't need to know. I don't even think. I don't need to think about a pitchfork in my back. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I agree with you. I, that, that used to be one of my. I'd hate to be chased as a kid because, like, I just don't like it. Yeah, the thing that's something chasing after you. I remember we went into an old uh, haunted mental hospital up in uh, Massachusetts and. This will creep you out a little bit. Like we went through this place and we had a video camera and everything. And there's all types of crazy stuff. We have we have like a, a noose swinging in like an area where nobody was at. There's a bunch of noises. And the last thing that it was, was I remember we turned the camera off and I was handing it to my friend. And uh, 
we didn't see anything paranormal the whole time in there. But when we watched the video, it's like everywhere. But uh, we heard this. We were both looking at my hand and we hear sound. And we we look, I looked up at him. And then I looked over from where it was coming, and there was chunks of plaster coming down from the ceiling, like wow. like something was stomping above. And when I looked back at him, I seen his feet going out the window of where we were, <laughs> where we snuck into the place. And then right after, like I it connected in my head that he just left me here. I heard <laughs> these three voices over each other, like, <laughs> and I was just like, oh shit! And I had to run down a hallway. And try and get a chair. I got the leg was busted, so I had to run down the hallway where the plaster was falling. And that whole time, coming back down that hall and jumping out the window, I was like, "I'm dead." Like I just felt like I was already dead. It was like it's already. No. I'm just waiting for the final, you know, the final conflict. And but. see, you better you than me. But my thing is also, I will move slowly, yeah, and stop and wait because it. I want to catch my my heart rate to to to, to go down. So at that point, my focus changes to my heart rate. And then I'll, I'll walk a little and then I'll stop. Because walking and stopping makes me go, am I okay in this moment? Yes. Take another, another couple of steps. Stop. Are you okay in this moment? Yeah. So then that calms me down because I'm like, okay, when I take small steps, I'm fine. And now let me focus on my heart. How do I slow it down? Breathe deeply and breathe in. Are you safe? Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not playing any. I'm not mind fucking myself. I, that's yeah. the last place I want to mind fuck myself. Yeah. And me, more than anything else, is I won't go with anybody who goes, "Oh yeah, I'm. Oh, you know, I love this. Oh, I do this. Oh, oh, I'm gonna be fine. Oh, I'm gonna be fine." Those are the people that shit out. Those yeah. are the people that will leave you, abandon you. Those that, those are the people that, you know, I got scared. I'm like, well, then you shouldn't have been here in the first place. Right. It's okay to be afraid, but what you did is you let terror take over and you abandon your partner. Yeah. I could have fallen. I could have hurt myself. I could be bleeding out right now and you wouldn't fucking know it because you were too scared to turn around and make sure that I was with you and not have my back like I would have your back. So when I say I got your back, I got your back. That's who I am. Oh, yeah. That's how I do. If I say I got you back, I got your back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Leave no man behind. And so, especially in that situation, especially in that situation. And if that person gets in there and goes, I can't do this. I can't do this. I feel this. I go like, okay, we're going to leave. Look at me. Don't look anywhere else. Look at me. All right, let's walk out. I'm going to stand in front of you so that you're right behind me. Okay. So that you're not running and busting your head in front of me. So I'm, that's just who I am. But I've never been put in a scenario in which I wasn't with someone um, who, I mean, I've been put in situations where people have freaked out mm. and it's like, I got to get out. I'm like, okay, breathe, breathe, breathe. I'll take you out. Let's go. But I've been in situations where um, I've heard banging and knocking and the person with me was like, oh, that's cool. You hear that? Yeah. Cause it was like, I just heard that. I hear that. Oh, bang, bang. Do you hear that? Yep. You hear that? And so more than anything else, it's like, let's just listen. Mm-hmm. Once you stay there and listen and you pay attention to what that sound is, your mind is registering what that sound is and any association that you're f- familiar with. And there's your comfort level as opposed to it's a ghost. It's pe- it's a poltergeist. It's this. My mind doesn't go there. It's like, what is this sound? It's a knocking or a banging. All right. Are you familiar with knocking and banging? Yes. And as opposed to, yeah, but it's not human. We don't, yeah. I don't go there. I go, okay, listen to that sound. 
Let me register what that sound is. Okay, it sounds like a knock or a bang. Is it happening again? And sometimes I'll go, can you knock again? And most nine times out of ten, it doesn't. It's not until I'm walking out that I'll hear it. I'll be like, okay, cool. But I'm I'm out anyway. See ya. Yeah. What's your opinion of what that stuff is? Do you think it's actual like some spirits of people that like didn't cross over appropriately or too painful or it's just energy floating around making, you know, like um There's a number of scientific ways yeah. to debunk things. Um and there's a number of ways to go, I don't know what that is. Because I think for any of us to really say yeah. it would be you know, I don't think anyone is an expert. It's, it, you know, you practice in this, you do this thing on a regular basis, and then you take your theories and put them all together because of things that happen over and over and over again. Like, for example, going into a creaky house, people are like, you hear it creaking? Right. That's because wood contracts and expands depending upon the temperature. So you have to look at all the very, you know, the variables around you. You know, you have to look at all the variables around you and metal can do the same thing. Now, if you'll notice, if someone goes, do, can you repeat that? And it gets repeated. Most likely it's an intelligent haunting because I've had that happen at the Museum of Texas. And um, I had a 45 minute disembodied conversation. And I asked for certain things and immediately those things happened. No explanation. Yeah. Except for, I believe, theoretically, that there it was a paranormal uh, experience. With an, with an energy that, that had passed on. And then I got confirmation from a paranormal, um, uh, psychic, psychic medium who's not only, not, who's not only a psychic medium, but he is, um, uh, clairvoyant and clairaudio, which means that he can see and hear to connect with them. Yeah. And he's spoken with many, many people who've passed over. Um and, and he's done a ton of television shows as well. His name is Chip Coffee. Oh yes, yes, Chip Coffee is the man. Yeah. yeah, and so Chip Coffee was like, This energy in, in this energy right here, this this gentleman, this man that I'm talking to, he only wants to speak to you, Deborah. So it was a group of people because it was an investigation. And he was like, Everyone, let's back away because he only wants to speak to Deborah. And I sat with him on his front porch because they had taken his sharecropper home and put it in the museum. And I had a 45-minute conversation with him while people walked around. Other people would come by and take pictures and other people because at one point he started sitting in the rocking chair next to me and rocking. And, you know, and I had a mag light, which was kind of half off and half on so that, it, you know, and asking him to turn it on or turn it off or dim it. So yes would go on, no would go off, but if it was a resounding yes, I would ask him to dim it down, and he did. And I used what uh, Brad and Barry Kling call error cues, and that's to do something or sing something or speak from that particular era. So I used um, a, 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 a southern accent um, that a share proper would be aware of. I sang Negro spirituals to him. And then I began to tell him about John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, um, Rosa Parks, water fountains, uh, 
end of slavery. Um, Barack Obama. Uh, yeah, before I left. It was a pretty powerful experience. At the end and of fun. Of course, fun. At the end of something like that, I've never experienced anything. Is there like a gratefulness that they share or a feeling that you get, you know, sharing your time with them type deal or? Chip Coffee was the interpreter because I couldn't. Okay. I didn't, I couldn't feel anything. Okay. Um, Chip Coffee said he wanted to, he has a message for you. And, um, it was a pretty, a pretty powerful message because it was an intelligent haunting. Yeah. Yeah. I love that lot of stuff. It's interesting. It's funny when people and they say, and it's like, it's only because they never had the experience. You know, once you have the experience, it's like, all right, what's going on here? There's something. Most else. of my experiences were with family members who passed on, as opposed yeah. to uh, paranormal investigations. Yeah. Most of my experiences have been with, with family, particularly my mom. And once my grandfather, when I was younger. Yeah. And they come forth to pass messages. Um, no, it was more than anything else. Um, just to let, let her, let me know that she was here. That she was here. And she hasn't contacted me since because she knows I'm okay. Yeah. But she let me know she was here because I was talking to her one day. I brought her up and I was like, mommy, I'm blah, blah, blah. You know, and she was then, then she, she came through and I didn't expect it. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. I didn't expect it. Yeah, a very beautiful thing. Very yeah. beautiful thing. I, I, my, my nan, I, my nan who passed away a couple months back. I was very close with her, and uh, I remember the first day I went back to work. The first night back at work, I was listening to uh, like Spotify, and I was listening to this this this, this Zarface. It's a group called Zarface. It's like an underground hip hop group, and then. In the middle of the night, they played um, the Pretenders. I'll stand by you, I believe, was the gym, and I and then it went right back to all the underground hip hop. That one artist, and I think that that was kind of like her saying, you know, "I'll stand by you" type deal. You know what I mean? So I, I think, wow, I I think messages, yeah, definitely get out there. It's all energy. So like the best way to would be like to work through like something like that. You know, absolutely, absolutely, it is all energy. It is all energy. That's what we are. We're all energy. Absolutely. I believe that. Yeah. Alex, what do you believe over there? <laughs> well, I mean, as I said before on many of our different podcasts, I have not experienced anything, uh, anything supernatural, but I've always have an open mind. I believe that there's many things out there that we have not experienced doesn't mean that they're not there. Um, I have a lot of friends, Matt included, that have told me, even my mother has told me she's experienced some things uh, of the supernatural. I myself haven't. Um, I like to, uh, the, the way I see it is I probably um, subconsciously try to keep those kind of things out. I find, I find reality enough stressful as it is that I try to <laughs> just limit my view on just what's going on here and now than, than uh, the possibility of the supernatural. But I, I, I believe that uh, when you die, there is, uh, there is something that sometimes is left over. And 
different people, I believe, are born with the gift or can be taught the gift where they can still interact and pass messages and have a stronger connection with those who have passed on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Plus also, I'd I'd probably run screaming if I did meet a ghost. (laughs) <laughs> yes. I'm, 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 I, I, I like, I like to be able to, in my own uh, way, uh, boil things down to uh, the simplest uh, scientific forms, so I can know how to deal with it. When I can't do that, that is a little bit too much for my little feeble mind to handle. Okay, <laughs> don't be too hard on yourself, buddy. Hey, hey, it's just, I like I said, I'm. I know it's out there, um, but I, I'm perfectly fine not going into those those reaches. Definitely not at this point in my life. I'm I not. get it. So I understand. I respect that. Well, like Alex said, we're indie filmmakers. You know what I mean. And uh, you know, of course, Mad TV and all the voiceover stuff is, is, is great. But I was curious. You know, you got to work with the great Robert Townsend. You know what I mean? How, how'd that, how'd that go? Oh man, I'm, he's not the only one. That was fun. Well, and, and yeah. Halle Berry was in it. Natalie DeSalle was in it. Got to yeah. work with them. I got to work with, with Halle Berry on Mad TV and in, in BAPS. Yeah. Um, but I've also got a chance to work with, um, Robert Patrick. I've yeah. also got Sorry. a chance to work with, um, oh my God, Elliot That's Gould great. and Patrick Stewart. I mean, I mean, I've, I've been a very blessed and fortunate to work with some pretty amazing uh, people, let alone actors. They're just great people on so many indie films. I just got finished doing another indie film with Mina Suvari um, and Brandon Routh, oh, yeah. uh, who was Superman on the CW and is um, now in the animated series, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yes. Which is one of my favorite films. <laughs> and um, yeah. Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. So Brandon Routh, the whole cast came back. For the animated series. Oh, very uh, cool. So I'm really, you know, so I've worked with a, a number of people that I've been like, wow, I'm, and let alone Joan Rivers. Hell yeah. Um, one-on-one. So, you know, and certain directors that I've worked one-on-one with. I worked with, um, on a voiceover project with, um, ugh, it's going to drive me crazy. He directed a number of the, of the, Pirates of the Caribbean movie, uh, movies. He was part of the franchise for a while. Um, it's going to drive me crazy. I can't think of his name now. Ah, it's going to drive me crazy. And my short term memory. Yeah. Don't worry. I think Matt's trying to look that up. Yeah. (laughs) Very well known. And he did a number of the, he started the franchise, I do believe. Started doing at least one or two of them to begin with. Would that be Gore Verbinski? Gore Verbinski. Oh, yeah. And I worked one-on-one with him for almost a a year on a project. One-on-one. And it was like, it was mind-blowing because when I heard that Gore Verbinski wanted to speak to me, I'm like, how the fuck does he know who I am? (laughs) And um, my agency set that up, and he's like, he wants to have a Zoom meeting with you. (laughs) And then he comes on Zoom like, hey, Deborah, listen, I'm thinking about this. Here's what I want to blah, 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 blah. And, and, and meanwhile, I'm going like, fucking Gore Verbinski. How the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? 
<laughs> it was mind blowing that he just started the conversation like, hey, Deb, okay, listen, hey, Deborah, blah, 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 you know, nice to meet you. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, uh, my mind the entire time was going, Gore Verbinski zoomed me. I'm home and I'm talking to Gore Verbinski on Zoom. So, I mean, I get uh, uh, starstruck by a lot of people. And then I find out how grounded they are. Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, I've worked with her on a number of things. Uh, um, and just it's from between Mad TV and an independent film. And then um, I also w- I was um, I played Oprah on one of their comic reliefs that they shot that was live in Las Vegas. So, I mean, I've been very blessed and I'm very humbled and very grateful to have these opportunities, you know, with, with people in, in film and indie film and television and radio and voiceover. I mean, I've worked with some icons in the voiceover. Well, D. Bradley Baker, who's a mind blowing and I'm, I'm a huge fan and to meet him. And all the first thing we start doing is getting silly with each other, you know, very grounded people. So I've had the opportunity, Patrick Stewart, you know, he's talking about Jean-Luc Picard. The, yeah, yeah. One of the most grounded dudes, lovable. I mean, I had a friend who was a huge fan. And while we were shooting a film, he was like, well, how do we surprise your friend? As opposed <laughs> to, oh, that's great. You have a friend that's a fan? Well, I'm flattered. No, that wasn't it with Patrick Stewart. He goes, how do we surprise your friend? Yeah. I know. Bring him on the set and let me meet him. Wow. That's Patrick Stewart. I thought you were going to say a phone call. That's way better. No, he was like, bring him. Tell him to come. And then I'll, I'll meet him. We'll just, we'll just pictures with him, sign and stuff. I mean, Patrick Stewart was just, like I said, a divinely sweet, wonderful, giving, grounded actor, friendly. Just, I had, a, I did an interview with Bid Kingsley. And instead of pulling things out, you know, cause you know, you figure people like Sir Ben Kingsley have been doing interviews throughout their entire career that yeah. they would be like, Oh, here's another one. So yes, yeah, so the answer question is going to be, yes, yeah, so you're going to answer a question. He was so lovely. When I just introduced myself, I said, Sir Ben Kingsley, it is lovely to meet you. Before I even get anything else, he goes, well, thank you very much. And how are you? And I said, I am so grateful in this process. I'm feeling great. And I am so grateful in this opportunity just to speak with you about this film. And he goes, oh, blah, blah, this film is blah, blah, oh, blah, blah. I didn't even have to go into questions because it was like a private and personal conversation of someone he met on the street. That's how gracious he was. Yeah. So I didn't have to pull information from him. He was proud of this film. And it was at the time, it was the House of Sand and Fog or Light and Fog, or I think the House of Sand and Fog. Um, and he was just lovely. Lovely, 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 lovely. So I've had all these wonderful and amazing opportunities um, in film, uh, indie and otherwise, to work with some beautiful people, some amazing people. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. always great when, I mean, when you're working with people, especially people that you are fans of or you appreciate, and they are, you know, um, great giving people. I mean, you got both ends of the spectrum, people that end up not being how you envision. and I've met I've met some of them too yeah. and worked with them later on and they didn't remember <laughs> see see that's always interesting I always think that they they do remember but they they try to forget so if they did do something that they oh no she didn't remember me this person is who's very well known in television she didn't remember because it was that flippant of a moment oh it was that for her it was so flippant of a moment 
And then I found out from another actress that's very, very well known from television. She was like, oh, she's like that with me. And I was like, you're well known. You're, are you kidding me? You're an icon. I, I've watched you on television. She was like that with you? Two women that were very, very well-known sitcom stars. And I was like, she was like that with you? And the woman that I'm talking about who's really kind and sweet was like, amazing. I I worked with Joyce DeWitt on a pilot. Oh, yeah. Who was Janet from Three's Company. Yeah. She was amazing. She was so lovely. And we shot this at CBS Studios in New York. And... She was like, well, I'm going back tomorrow, but come back to my hotel room. And we started talking. She was, I was like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, my God, I love dolphins. You love dolphins, too? Oh, my God. She was my crystal energy. I'm talking about healing energy and crystal energy and stuff. And she lived in Arizona at the time. Oh, my God. Or either Arizona or New Mexico. And we just talked. Before we got to the after party. She was like, okay, I'm going to take a shower. I'm talking me through the shower. Oh, my God. She was lovely and divine. Just yeah. absolutely amazing. So, I mean, I've, I've been honored and privileged. And for the ones that were like, oh, I'm like, I get it. There's something in your life that has nothing to do with me. And it took me time to get to that space with anybody. There's something in your life that has nothing to do with me. I get you. My name is Bennett and I ain't in it. I get you. It ain't got nothing to do with me because we always are a mere reflection of each other. But sometimes an energy that someone is reflecting off of you is they don't feel great about themselves. They don't feel great about a situation. You caught them on a on a day where they went through something with someone and they can't get it out of their system. They can't drop it or they refuse to drop it. And so they take it out on you in order to release it. I'm like, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. It has nothing to do with me. And as long as you recognize that it has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with you, then you go, I get it. I was just their sounding board. Okay. Better me than someone who's about to bust you in the fucking head. Yeah. yeah. All right. Gentlemen, is about five minutes before 11. And I am going to uh, pick up my large enclosure because I have so many critters and I'm going to pick up a large enclosure, six foot enclosure for a Colombian gold tegu. So I, like I rented it. a van to go pick it up because I'm, I'm an independent woman. And uh, <laughs> so I have an appointment to go pick up my U-Haul to get my, uh, to get my uh, enclosure. It was a custom made enclosure with a custom made interior. Yeah. But I'll tell you this before I go. Yeah. If you ever want to talk about critters and stuff going on like that, if we ever want to get into video game stuff and yeah. stuff like that and the stuff that I've done like that, and if you ever want to tell me what's going on in your world where you live, let's do this again, I say. Oh, and then that. we'll make it a party. What do you say? Totally down for it. Love it. I love it. Come on, Alex. Yeah. Well, that bird was talking to you. We gotta do this soon. Definitely. Yeah, we'll make it. We'll make it happen in the make it happen in the new year. Yeah, love that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, thank you, thank you, absolutely. And again, before we go, wait a minute. Absolutely, before we go, let me hear. Happy New Year, everybody! Happy New Year. Take care. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the great Deborah Wilson. That was a fantastic voyage. I love sitting down with people that I love, and I love the Alexander Hogg. 
and Deborah. Fantastic. Um, huge, you know, Mad TV, which I got to say, you know, is I kind of a staple. You know, I love the video whenever I hear her, vo- her, her voice pop up in the video games, but she's in every every video game that's been hot in the last 20 years she's on. You know what I mean? Killing it. But Mad TV, I was always a huge fan of sketch comedy, you know, uh, in Living Color, Saturday Night Live, and Mad TV was right on time. I loved it. Always got into it. It was like, I got to credit it for, you know, like some of the dark comedy uh, that my mind will will usher out into the world. You know, I got to credit Mad TV for that because it was very, you know, the 90s was a great time for comedy. Um, just pushing the envelope and just being, it's it, it wasn't safe. It was just kind of, which I always think unsafe comedy is the best comedy. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful thing. But, um, yeah, this was a great interview. You know, it reminds me a lot of the Larry Hankin interview, you know what I mean, which you really get to get in and know the person and catch the vibe. And, yeah, we we might not have talked about Mad TV to its extent. All right, out there, if you're listening and you were hoping to catch a Mad TV, you got yourself some Mad TV, all right? But you know what you got? You got Mad TV. So you got the Boombasticast. You know what I mean? We got a great episode with Deborah. It was fantastic. I mean, uh, she's a sweetheart of a person. I love her positivity. You know, whenever there's anybody out there floating in the world that we get to talk to and they got the positive vibes, they're floating off those positive vibes, you know, it's, it's definitely a kudos deal. You know, big, big kudos, big love. You know what I mean? What do you think, Alex? Hey, hey, I got to say, um, had a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. uh, I was able to uh, contact Deborah, and she was totally interested in being on the show. And one of the things she said that she wanted to, you know, give us something that we're not going to get on another podcast, which yeah. is what we're all about. We love going down these rabbit holes, talking about the spirituality, talking about the paranormal. Um I mean, we talked about some of her works. You got to work with some great people throughout the years. I mean, you sit down, you look at her IMDb, and it's a lot of great uh, stuff. I mean, Mad TV is a big part, but it's only a, a little part in, in the scheme of things. And she's very talented. I mean, I, you can't play a video game. You can't watch like a TV series that's animated that you don't hear her voice in there. And... Uh, I mean, heck, I remember watching Mad TV, and honestly, her characters were the most fun. I loved her on, on Mad TV, and I think she definitely was one of the best parts of it. And uh, and that's why I reached out to her, and I'm so glad we got on the show. I mean, it, it was great talking about all these different things, and she gave us things to think about that I, I have to admit I haven't thought about. Um, ever and that's ever. that's what we love is you know you know going in and, and talking about things you know one on one conversations I mean like she was saying that uh, you know talking with Pat Patrick Stewart and Ben Kingsley you know the one on one conversation it's not question answer question answer uh, we want to have conversations with these people that we appreciate and that we we uh, love to talk about. I feel uplifted after talking to her. Truly yeah. an inspirational person, for sure. 
Um, and she's 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 got her she, she her her heart and her mind are in the right place, you know. Yeah. I mean? Um, you know, I like she she called my called called me out a few times when I made some ideas that weren't quite reasonable ideas, which it was good. I love it when people call the bluff, you know what I mean? Not the bluff, but just like go deeper into that. Explain to me what you mean by that. You know, it's a good deal. I dig that. I mean, let let's me know that they're in tune, but doesn't getting down. But yeah, yeah, he doesn't get enough of me calling him out on his bullshit. I don't get enough Alex not calling me out, so I needed it. And hey, that's about ninety percent of my job, dude, is calling you out. But hey, we still I love didn't know you. Did anything? So I'm glad that you, that's ninety five percent of your job. Well, this was an absolute pleasure. Uh, a beautiful kickoff to season six of the Boombastic Cast. We got a great year ahead of y'all coming. And uh, dip into the old episodes, too. Why not? They're there. They could use your likes and, and, and comments just like the new ones could. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Uh, yeah, Deborah Wilson, this was a pleasure. As soon as I knew that we got her, when Hawkman said he got her, I was like, yes. Because I remember, I hate to go back to Mad TV because she's done so much stuff. But I can't, I probably can't even express how influential Mad TV was to a early teenage Matt Fisher, you know, even a little before early teenage. And every Saturday night we got down with that, you know what I mean? That was where it was at. And uh, beautiful, very good times, you know what I mean? So with that being said, I think it's time to bounce out of this episode and give the people plenty of time to go watch more episodes of the Boombastic cast. And uh, check out the Patreon at Boombastic Streaming, where if you were... Streaming boombastic style, you'd be watching this before it hit the public airwaves. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean. But again, man, thanks to Deborah Wilson and having her on the show. Always a beautiful thing. Looking forward to having her back on. That was fantastic. Uh, new friend of the show, new friend of the show. And with that being said, we hope everybody had a great New Year's and a great holiday season. We're glad to see you back. Because we are looking through your computer screen right now and that little camera above the computer screen on your phone and computers. And we are watching you. You know, we got it. Behind me is the setup of everybody's TV <laughs> and everybody's computer. And I'm watching them to make sure that they're doing the right thing, which is watching the Boombastic cast. So they're doing the right thing. So on behalf of Alexander, myself, and Deborah, we hope everybody over there has a great night. And uh, maybe even a great day, depending on where you is. And we'll catch y'all on the next episode of the Boombastic Cast. Peace. Peace.